Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening and happy Monday, everybody. How's everybody doing? Oh, I hope you said great. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team uh, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you think you have a paranormal problem in your home or business, we can help you. But it might take us a couple of days. Let me get down here and put this thing in. Boom. Yeah. It might take us a couple of days to get to you. Uh, California is this huge state. You know, when people think about California, they kind of think of us all like uh, Hawaii surfers and all that. Well, it is like that. But we also have big mountain ranges. We have deserts. We have low desert, high desert, lots of rural land, farmland. And so that's why, even though we have people up and down the state, it may take us a while. The bright side of it all is it never takes more than two, three days to get to you. So what we can do for you in that case is one of our mediums will call you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on. And in most cases, they can calm the energy down. So it's great, you know, so, so it's fun. Okay, anyway, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, and some of you are, and you like what you hear and see, please be sure to hit the follow button. Uh, we're always looking for followers. And be sure to show me some love, give me some thumbs up, uh, smileys, and all that good stuff. Because what that does is that puts us higher up in what they call the FYP in the, in the Facebook computers. And the Facebook algorithm sees us and they throw us out everywhere. Okay. Same thing with YouTube. YouTube, we've got over 800 videos sitting over there, all of this show. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, thanks for the love. And uh, all of this show over there at YouTube, and I have them in categories so you can find the stuff a lot easier. You like UFOs? You look in the UFO alien encounter file. You like Nancy Matz? She's got her own file sitting over there. So uh, it's a lot easier. But if you haven't done so already and you're watching from YouTube, I want to hit my 1,000 subscriber mark by Christmas. I was hoping to be a nice Christmas gift. And uh, we're, we're, we're down to about 250 that we need for subscribers. So all the help you can give us would be great if you haven't subscribed already. Please do show. It doesn't cost anything or anything like that. Same thing, TikTok. Uh, if you're coming over from TikTok, welcome. Um, I, um, I've got a subscription thing going on over there. You become a subscriber on TikTok, you become part of my Boo Crew. Isn't that great? Boo Crew. All right. You also have access to our Discord, where, where you then become a ghostly groupie. But anyway, uh, I'm going to be giving, you know, for the first 50 people that sign up over at uh, TikTok, there's going to be a giveaway and we're going to all kinds of stuff. And we're going to be doing a lot of shows and stuff over there as well. Uh, down at the bottom, you can see me running a thing for uh, the Patreon, the California Haunts Patreon. we got a new offer for everybody. And that is uh, for the people that sign up at the, at the, at the different levels, because Patreon usually has two or three levels. We have a $5 level, a $10 level, and a $15 level. For those who sign up at those levels, you will get a psychic reading once a month. And if you're at the, obviously, if you're at the five-minute level, you'll get a five-minute reading. If you're at the 10-minute level, you will get a 10-minute reading. Or the $15 level, a 15-minute 15, 15 reading. And it'll either be Nancy Matz or Karen Clark. We'll do the readings. So um, we're looking to build up our Patreon as well. Not only are you included in that, is we're going to have some special guests coming in over there that will only be 
for the Patreon. And plus, anytime I do a pre-recorded video, thing, you know, for somebody that can't go on in the evening and I pre-record the video, it always goes up a week to two weeks before it airs over here. So that gives you a chance for an early bird thing, uh, you know, an early bird kind of thing to see the video, you know, to, to, to see the show two weeks before everybody else. So that's one of the things. Again, we hit 50 uh, subscribers over there, and I've got T-shirts. I've got all kinds of things to give away. I've got sun California Haunted has sunglasses, too, believe it or not. So I've got that to give away. So, uh, yeah, so uh, check it out. There's the address down there. It's patreon.com forward slash California Haunts Radio. And I think you'll find it. I think there's already se several videos over there just waiting to be perused by you guys. All right. So our guest tonight, he's not in yet. I'm hoping he comes in. He uh, confirmed yesterday, and hopefully nothing went wrong. David Oman. You know, I grew up just waiting to see if I get a message. Okay. Let me do this real quick. Maybe he might have trouble getting in here because who knows. All right. Let me do this real quick. Okay. All right. So we'll see. Anyway, my paranormal team has been around for 18 years. We've been investigating all over the state of California. Never had, never had a chance to investigate really a lot in Los Angeles. Um, there's been a couple we've done, but other than that, we haven't had a chance to get down that area of Hollywood, you know, and all that to investigate. And that's one of our goals uh, coming up here in the next year or so is we want to get down, get down to that area and investigate. But uh, we have had some interesting investigations despite that. But this house, uh, this, the, this, the, David's house has always fascinated me. Um, as a kid, my dad read the books, followed, you know, followed those trials religiously. And uh, I, as a kid around 13, 14, I, I found the books, read the books, Helter Skelter and all those books. And, uh, and then later on, I, of course, I, I would buy my own books and, and read up on it. So I'm, I'm really into it. And, um, like I said, we've never had a chance to investigate his home per se. But uh, I, I would love the chance to do so at some point down the line, right? But uh, once and if he does come on tonight, it, it just I can't wait to talk to him about this. I mean, uh, the activity, you know, and I'm like everybody else, watching Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and all those shows. And uh, even Jordan, I'm going to give a call out to one, one of my favorite guys online, Jordan the Lion. He's cool. He travels all around the U.S., Doing little stories, kind of like I want to do eventually, you know, and uh, doing little fifteen-minute stories, and, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Days, it's days with Jordan Lyon. He actually went to the Elman House, and uh, kind of did a kind of ghost investigation over there. And Patty Negre, who had been on last what a couple weeks ago with us, also investigated this place. So there's been a lot of people investigating here, and and the, and the history of the property is interesting because it hit, you know, the Tate House was right next door. It was because excuse me for that. And I say was because it was leveled by one of the newer owners that bought the property. It was leveled. And they built another house on there. <clears throat> and the guy, the person that lives there now is a TV producer who says that there's no uh, activity at all on that particular property. Okay. But um, it looks like it looks like Mr. Oman got all the activity. Not to mention that there's woods around that area and that there have, have you know a lot of history of Native Americans there. So He's kind of got a hodgepodge of, of ghosts that go through there. So I'm real excited about today, and um, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see if he comes in. <coughs> he acknowledged it yesterday. But, uh, again, you know, um, I, I, I would love to get in there and investigate. That's that's something I would love to do. 
for you guys that listen to the show regularly, and here's my thing, since we're here and we're, we're kind of on hold here, tell me about places you would like us to investigate. I'm looking for ideas. You know, as a team, we've done over 300, more than 300 investigations up, you know, up and down the state, you know, commercial buildings, residential buildings. We're getting our website back up to reflect that. But if there's any place that interests you guys the most, maybe the Queen Mary and, you know, anything like that, that, that we haven't investigated, I, I, I would love to get your suggestions. Also, you know, as far as shows go, I'm always open to suggestions. And I'll tell you what, I have T-shirts, a free T-shirt. For whoever gives me a good suggestion for a show, I'll send them a T-shirt if we use the idea. Okay? California Haunts Radio T-shirt. Okay? I didn't even have one on today. <laughs> Let's see. I'm just checking. I even have a T-shirt on today for California Haunts. I'd stand up, but you guys wouldn't want to look at my back. I'll have to flash a photo of it the, um, for tomorrow's show and show you guys what they look like. But, uh, yeah, if you shoot me some ideas via email, you, know, you can email me over. You can, you can PM me over on Facebook. You can email me at CaesarsGhost123 uh, at gmail.com and uh, send me some ideas for that. I'd really appreciate it. You know, that, that would be really cool of you if you could do that. Anyhow, um, has there ever been a place, and I'm going to ask you guys this, uh, that you have gone into that you have felt uncomfortable in and couldn't explain why? I have. Uh, even before I was doing this as an investigator, I, you know, as a kid, I grew up, I, I was also um, sensitive as a kid. Back of a, uh, I am an empath. And uh, so... I do see things. Well, once every once in a while, I'll see things. Most of the time, I hear and feel things. You know, most of the time, I feel it, and I can hear it. But uh, you know, and you can tell it's a definite energy, whether it's a male or female. For me, it feels like it feels like my it feels like my, my like my body is going to sleep. The tingles, I get tingles, and the heavier the tingle, it's a male. If it's a light tingle, it's a female. That you know that I'm feeling. Um. So. That's how I feel things. But like I said, there are times when I see stuff. So I grew up in a house where I saw stuff, you know, and everybody attributed uh, it to me being, you know, re real big imagination and all that. And it turns out I was right, you know. And uh, Like you get to a certain age. I think Nancy talked about this Friday about reaching that certain age where it kind of all suppresses down. And I hit that certain age. So for probably from my 13th year on, I didn't see anything. But then when I started getting into this, because of what happened when I was a kid, I started to get more into wanting to see this stuff. All right, my guest is in. And uh, hope I didn't bore you guys too much. But like I said, um, he needs to, you know, David Oman has, his house has fascinated me for years. And like I said earlier, I would love the chance to investigate there someday. We'll see. Maybe I'll get lucky someday. But I'm really excited to talk to him because I have my own story about the Manson family. And I can't prove it, but I do have a story about the Manson family. My uncle had what we call a dog ranch. He had, he had a dog breeding operation out of Las Virginias. In, 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 uh, not L.A., but uh, Calabasas. And uh, he uh, used to have these girls come help him where, you know, so they could make extra money. He would have these girls come help him groom and wash the dogs. And my dad always thought about because my uncle said, well, they were living on some movie ranch. And, and then my dad, after those murders happened and, and you know, all that stuff happened, 
my father went, oh, my God, it was probably some of the girls, you know, were coming down to work at my uncle's ranch to do the dog. I can't prove this. I don't want my cousins and my family mad at me. I'm just saying this is what my father relayed to me about, you know, my, about my uncle's uh, dog ranch. So uh, who knows? You know, who knows if, 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 the, if these were some of the girls? They might have been, you know, make some extra cash working with the dogs. But anyway, that's my little connection to that that era, okay? And the fact that even when I was going there on vacations and stuff with my family, I was I, I was really nervous being out there because you get the creepy crawly things and all this going on, and ugh, even in my young mind. All right, without further ado, let me bring David in, and we can get this thing started, and he can tell you about himself. How's that sound? Hello. Hello. I have been wanting to meet you forever. Oh, it's nice to make your acquaintance tonight. I am so excited. Tell me about you, sir. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Tell you about me. Uh, uh, native of California, native of Los Angeles, born and raised. Um, uh, built this, bought this lot some twenty five years ago down the street from the Sharon Tate Murder Center, 24 years ago in 1999. Um, was not a, was seriously not a fan of Sharon Tate. Nothing against those people that are devotees of Sharon, but no, I didn't have to have the lot down the street from Sharon Tate's house to live the rest of my life. It was um, just a matter of happenstance that my father found the lot. Um, listed in the uh, Los Angeles Times count, um, classified section mm -hmm. and a foreclosure for $40,000. And um, as it turns out, it had some $100,000 worth of improvements on the property with uh, 13 caissons, which are concrete piles that go in the ground mm -hmm. that are 30 feet deep, two feet wide and reinforced with steel. And um, we got it. And we ended up building the house that I live in, that I'm talking to you from right now, um, ourselves. So that's the reason why, you know, we're you know, talking today. Right. It's, you know, it's not like I'm a big fan of Manson or anything like that. It was just dumb luck, to put it bluntly. And um, turns out the place uh, is pretty active with the paranormal activity, with spirits. Um, and I just celebrated my 21st year living here. And, and to be honest with you, I don't fall under the category of afraid or concerned or bothered by spirits. Mm -hmm. um, I, wish that there were, I wish there were more people like me out there so that we didn't have this hyperbolic drama filled, you know, story that keeps on replaying itself on television. I just heard about Sam and Colby and the Conjuring House. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm sorry, if it was touched by the Warrens, I don't want to know about it. And unfortunately, that also goes to the Amityville Horror House because my executive producer who passed away last year, Paul Mason, worked and executive produced Amityville 2 through 15 and said he knew Mr. Lutz. And he says he believes his story, but he said some of the things that the Warrens said, he said was absolutely positively off the charts rock and, and 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 again you know that's the problem when when people that are cast aside 40 years ago like the warrens were in the 1980s mm -hmm. and they were they were dismissed promptly and officially because 
they were proven to be frauds. And then somebody in Hollywood got a hold of one of their books and decided that they were going to take this material as source material to make a whole series of films. So now you got the Annabelle series, you got the Conjuring House series, and you know, I'm sorry, I don't buy into it at one, one single iota. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the latest owner, since the original owner sold the property, the new owner turned it into a commercial operation. So I'm sorry, I don't. I lose a lot of faith when people do that type of a of a serious situation into a fun house for people to spend the night and you know get their jobs and spirits. And this place is really unique in the sense that um, I'm not a business. I'm a little. I'm literally. I live here 24 seven, 365 days of most years, except when I might take a vacation. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a business. It's a real home. And I, from now on, I guess from time to time and time, out, time and again, I'll get a call from a company, one of the companies that I've had in the past worked with and invented the house out to for events. Um, and they'll decide to do an event here like they did this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, there's there's no access to the place. I mean... It's my home. It's like me saying, hey, do you mind if I stop by and go poking around your house and seeing what spirits I can go find in your home? Right, right. And I mean, I get those kind of messages and it's like these people don't understand. No, I live here. Mm -hmm. The the fact that I share videos that are shot here and videos that I record myself on the camera system that I've installed myself in the house. Mm -hmm. um, I share those videos, again, for free. I'm not trying to make a buck off of the videos that have taken right. place or shot here. It's like I've had other people who have made, you know, sensational amounts of, um, of cash from it in different ways, means, et cetera. But no, I'm not, you know, profiting off of my home. I'm just sharing my experiences without a lot of fluff and drama just to say, here, look at this. This is stuff that's happened to me. Take it or leave it. I'm not selling you anything. I'm just, Telling you my story and sharing it with you. Right, right. Now I have a question for you because I, well, my house is really active as well, and I kind of made an agreement with mine. <laughs> I, you know, I, my whole thing was, I know you're here. You know, I know you're here. Just don't scare me or do anything weird. We're, we're fine. Do you have some type of agreement going with with, with the stuff that goes through your house? Well, I, I I I play less on the angle of scare because yeah. it's. When I get scared, it's hitting me in the pocketbook in my wallet. That's when I get scared. Seriously, um, I had a uh, an incident that took place. I forgot what year it was, but I'd say at least nine to ten years ago, mm-hmm. where I got home, I got my electric bill, and I opened it up, and my eyes popped because um, the, the, the the amount of my electric bill was like three times normal. Wow! And I was fuming, and I mean. I'm looking at this thing saying, electric, 750, what the fuck? I said, no, 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 no. I said, not a chance. I haven't used any more electricity than the past two months previous to this billing cycle. I said, what the? Then I started thinking, wait a second. I've had the the televisions turned on in the middle of the night by themselves. I had an incident where this telephone behind me, which is the main unit, base for the um, 
cordless phone system had turned itself off. Well, in fact, what happened was the resistor plug, excuse me, the resistor plug had flipped on its own. And I remember early in the afternoon when I was in the kitchen, I heard this pop. And I thought, what the hell was that? And I didn't recognize it as what it was, but we have a GFI resistor plug mm -hmm. near the faucet over there. So somebody, and I refer to the spirits as somebody, mm -hmm. basically popped the resistor and the phone got shut off. So I'm getting calls on my cell phone. I'm going, what, why are you calling me on this? Because your home line's not answering. So what do you mean? He goes, it rings, 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 rings. So I go over to the gosh darn out to the phone and I look at the phone. It's like, it's not plugged in. I look at the resistor and it was popped out. I was like, so I started to come to the conclusion that the reason why the bill had been three times the normal amount for the past two months was the spirits were basically somehow playing with the electrical mm -hmm. and using. And I marched down to the second floor walked all the way to the laundry room and I went hog wild on their asses. I sat there and I remember saying, spirits, I have in my left, my right hand, a gosh darn bill from the LADWP. It's three times the amount what it usually is for a two month cycle. <laughs> I said, I haven't done anything different. I haven't had televisions or any new equipment in and around in the house. Mm -hmm. I said, you are the responsible party. I said, let's not play any games here. I said, I know it's you. I said, I know it's you. It's got to be you. I said, I can't afford you. And then I went to level 10 in aggravation and, and yelling. And I said, this crap has got to cease and it will never happen again. So help me God, because if it does, I will get the world's greatest psychics. <laughs> and and I'm bullshitting because in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna do a lot of good. These people are gonna talk to this person and go, <laughs> who, and who you? you're visiting. Well, when you leave, we'll be back in a second because he lives here and he's got to take care of his own crap. And which is what I think personally. So let me just fix this. So I basically went and I said to them, We are not gonna have this happen. I said, because if I have to get them, you're gonna be sent to banished to hell. Mm -hmm. I, said, I said, but you're not coming here to jerk off my electric bill. I said, furthermore, I said, last I checked, and this is the funniest thing I remember saying. I said, I'm the only one here who's wearing pants. And in those pants is a back pocket. And in that back pocket is a wallet. And in that wallet is money. And you guys are going to bleed me dry, so help me God. So we're not doing this ever again. And I then said, look, in the famous words of Rodney King, can't we all just get along together? And with that, I said, that's the last time I'm ever going to see this shit happen here in the house. <laughs> and I swear to God, ask me when the, when the last time my electric bill went up three times the normal amount. Wow. Wow, ever. wow, wow. When was the first time that you noticed uh, the, the, that there was activity in the house? During the, uh, honestly, when, when, we, when I first, after we bought the lot, my, oh God, how old is Arthur? Let's see, Arthur would have been nine, no, ninety-one. My eight-year-old, my nine-year-old cat Arthur had passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to bury him on the property. So my friend and I came up here and we came down about 10 feet down the side of the hill 
from the driveway and we dug a hole and we buried Arthur in there. And as we're doing this, I said to my friend, I said, I have this weird feeling like we're not alone. I said, I feel like there's a whole group of people, um, mourners that are surrounding us as we're lowering Arthur's body into the ground and saying a prayer for him. Mm -hmm. And he said, David, I didn't want to say anything, but I had the strangest feeling like that was happening as well. I said, it wasn't threatening. He goes, oh, no, 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 not threatening, but comforting. And, and being there as a part of this moment to participate in honor of Arthur. And I said, I said, it's weird. It's feeling, I feel supportive and supported in some way, shape or form with their being around me. And I said, you know what I'm saying? I said, I guess this is something, this is a good sign. And, you know, during the construction of the house, you know, it's just, you, you just get that type of like feeling that you're not alone and that somebody's mm -hmm. coming up behind you. And, <clears throat> and I was like, yeah, what that was like, well, no one there. Um, the contract laborers were having problems. Um, tools were, were literally going from one room to another being hidden. And they're asking me, say, when you were here, did you come by last night? I said, late? Yeah. I said, to see how the, how the site was going, how the job was going. And they said, well, yeah, but did you move the air hammer from one room, one room to the other? It's like, where did you have the air hammer? And I, at first I say, you're not really supposed to leave your equipment here because people go on job sites all the time and take stuff. So it's not a smart idea. He goes, well, we left it here by accident. We left it in the third floor in one of the rooms and it wasn't there. They ended up finding it on the second floor in a different room. So at the end of the construction, like six months before we were done, mm -hmm. basically we retired the the the, main, the heavy construction crew, which did the, the rough construction and you transit to last six months, we were transiting to doing the final finishing construction, such as putting in the floor, the hardwood floors and putting in the fixtures and the bathroom and the lights and all that stuff that's done at the end and the granite mm -hmm. countertops. So I said, look, you guys are going to be leaving in a day or two. I said, let me ask you guys, have any of you guys had any strange experiences here in the past two and a half years working on this job site? And it's right over there at the, um, well, I can show you where it is. It's right over at the uh, kitchen. See where that kitchen table is? Yes. That, before that was a kitchen, was just empty space. And the guys, you know, it's the rough part of that. So I assembled them all in a semicircular line. There are five of them from the ages of 15 to 35, I think it was. The 35-year-old being the 15-year-old's father. And I asked the guys, I said, so tell me. And one guy reluctantly raises his hand. He goes, see, and he's speaking in Spanish and telling me he was here six months earlier in the middle of July. It's about um, 90 degrees outside and he's here working at six o'clock and he's down there on the third floor. Now the house sits the top floor street level. Then you have another floor. Then you have the bottom third floor. So, and in the, in says there's a staircase, a spiral staircase, which is made up comprised of an eight foot, by eight foot deep, by 30 foot down corridor that sits this water iron staircase, the spiral staircase. And it's like an echo chamber. So if you're on the top floor, you, you're talking, that sound carries straight down that 30 foot cavern at the corridor, basically that vertical corridor. And mm -hmm. at the third level, it's 11 feet tall 
ceilings lead right into the room. So it's eight, it's ten, eight feet across, enters right into the room. And he, you can hear voices from the top floors as, as clear as day. So he says, I'm down on the third floor working and I'm um, trying hard to be on. I'm having issues. Sorry, Jerry, what's the matter? Hi, Sandy. Hi, Marissa. So he says, I'm down on the third floor and I hear voices and footsteps coming from the top floor. And then he says, he says, Senor Paul, Senor David, donde estas? Thinking it's my father. And I, since my father was the supervising contractor. Mm -hmm. And I was one of, you know, I was basically overseeing for my father under him. So he comes upstairs, he looks around, he's still calling for me and my father's name. He goes, don't say, he was looking around the whole entire floor, empty. Now the whole entire floor is basically all open anyways. When we built the house, it's a very much an open floor plan on the top floor. The, the kitchen has a bathroom pass through to the dining room. The dining room is all open into the living room, which is pretty much has a pass through into the den and a doorway into the den. So it's all open. So it's not like you can hide and there's no furniture in here. It's still all plywood and drywall and that's the full sum total of it. So it's not like you can hide. There's nowhere to hide. It's all empty. So mm -hmm. we then go outside and he looks up and down the driveway, not a single car. And I said, yeah, I've been here at six o'clock in the summer and there's never a car here when I get here at seven o'clock even. So that makes sense. He mm -hmm. goes, yeah, he didn't understand anything. So goes back downstairs, starts working. Five minutes later, voices and footsteps again, coming from the top floor. So he runs upstairs with a hammer in his hand. He's like saying, Kenneth, Kenneth. And he's getting all freaked out. He says, that's it. He can't find a soul. So that's it. I'm done. Goes downstairs and he starts packing his bags in the, in the other room. So it's just like this is the top floor. And we have a room here and there's a doorway going in to the living room. The same is true for the third floor. There's a guest bedroom on this, where I'm standing now, two floors below us, and a doorway that leads into that third floor entry, the, the theater room mm -hmm. now. But, and then the, the landing is right there. So he says, all of a sudden I hear footsteps coming down the staircase. And he says, he described his leather soled shoes hitting the wood planks that are in right now temporary on the staircase going down mm -hmm. the staircase he says they're getting louder and louder so he gets himself from that room into this into the guest into the into the other room and he's looking through like right next to the doorway right about outside is the landing 10 feet 15 feet wow. away so he says they got so loud it sounded like they just got right on top of him and they got to the land bottom and said and it stops so he runs out and he goes looking around. He goes, don't just ask, can't ask, can't. Nothing there. Then he says it happens. He says this two-inch wide band, like a piece of chunk of ice almost, a flat chunk of ice, slowly goes across the back of his neck, below his hairline, above his shoulder blades. He says it was eerily, the eeriest sensation. He says his whole body stood up. He got rigid, literally stood up like freezing. He says the hairs on his arms stood straight up and his entire body. And he screamed out, Ados mios, ados mios, llame boy, llame boy. Translated from Spanish, it means, oh my God, oh my God, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And took off, didn't come back for six weeks. Huh. And at the time I said, wait a second, that's when the guys told me, I mean, that was when you were, you were supposed to do the finishing job of the tiles in the master bathroom. 
Oops. I said, I was waiting after one week. I said, when's he going to be back? And they said, soon. After the second week, I said, when's he going to be back? And he said, he's in San Salvador taking care of his sick mother as a cover story. After the third week, at the, by the third week, I said, that's it. I'm going to put the tiles in myself. Big mistake. Because I didn't realize that these being natural stones, natural tile, which means mm-hmm. the marble's got veins through them, you're supposed to take them out and basically assemble them first, like a jigsaw puzzle is into how you want to take advantage of the veins of the of going through the marble so that one vein, can you can set it up so that the piece below it to the left of it or the right of it will continue that line, and you'll basically have a beautiful mosaic and pattern. Not the case in my master bathroom. <laughs> These quintessential jewel, jewel of the home, the bathroom and the masters. Well, let's just say that this is one house that has pretty shitty tiles in the master bathroom because I couldn't figure this shit out. Nobody's giving me instructions saying, hey, David. Don't you see these? So now you got a vein going this way and one thing <laughs> this way. And below it, you got the other vein over here going this way. It's like, let, let's do this. Move the puzzle pieces around. And then, of course, one's a little higher than the other. And I'm thinking, I can do this. I've seen him for the past you know, 12 weeks doing the tiles in the bathrooms and the kitchen. He slaps on the, the grout, slaps it down. That's he swishes around, puts a little plastic spacer, pushes them together. Done. And he says, I've been doing this for 15 years. You did it for 15 seconds. Now you see the difference? And I'm like, <laughs> and, I, and to this day, people are, this is interesting. Take a little walk with me and take a look at the master bathroom. See the tiles? Notice anything? Go to the rest of the house and see how beautiful they are. Sign art, sucker. <laughs> so that, that's the story of what was going on during the construction of the house. It's still a, still a sore thumb to this day. And will be till I die. Somebody takes over the house and then says, "You know, seeing this tile sucks. Let's get some of this done right. This is an abomination for the master bathroom." So, you seem like a pretty matter of fact guy. You know, one that's not going to run at every uh, at every bump. You know, in the night. No, and, and when this started happening, were were you trying to think of logical explanations for all this stuff? Uh, well, I mean, I try to, you know, obviously I try to figure out what it is, you know, just, you know, to explain it away saying, okay, you got this situation. Uh How are we going to figure out what's going on to really cause this situation? And once, and only once I have expired every rational, um, natural cause for what I've seen and heard. Only then do I say, all right, that's it. It's, it's something I can't. Here's an example. Uh Um, this past weekend, I had the ghost, OC Ghosts and Legends mm-hmm. um, Paranormal Group, the uh, event company, come out and do, we did an event here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my dining room table, there were a number, we wrapped up the evening, so it's about 12, 15. We had just, we just after midnight, we just wrapped up, and we're now doing question and answer with a group of people that were here visiting. There were three ladies sitting at the dining room table, just in a row, facing this direction. On the table were some people had some bottles of water, some people had some cans of uh, Coca-Cola, somebody had a Dr. Pepper that was halfway full. And 
they're sitting there talking and somebody said something, the lectern was being talked to, talked about by the, uh, the guy, the, the head, Chris, the head of OC Ghosts and Legends was talking. And I don't, I should have thought what he was saying and paid attention because as, as he's saying something specific, I hear this gasp of, oh my God. And I turned around and caught the glimpse of one of the cans, a half full can of Dr. Pepper slide across the dining table on its own about 10 inches. And I just saw the last three inches of it coming to a halt. And the ladies are going, oh my. And I just, what the, I was like, oh, grand. And the first thing I do is I go up and I go flip my hand across the gosh darn the, the glass to see if there's any condensation or moisture. It's as dry as a bone. There's wow. no explanation for the fact that it's dry. The, the can was sitting there for about an hour and a half, apparently. Somebody came upstairs and left it there. And I, because I felt the can, it was cold. It wasn't that cold. It was pretty warm. Mm -hmm. So it had been sitting out there. And I was like, this, I said, this is full. This isn't like there's, it's empty. And somebody just like a gust of wind, which what window was open. So a gust mm -hmm. of wind could do that and not knock it over. It literally, Slid across, and the ladies are going, Oh my, and they said, and I recorded their interviews afterwards saying, What did you? She goes, Oh no, that can't just the table in front of us. And again, what explanation can I derive to figure out why that happened? There isn't any. The rational went out the window the second that thing started gliding across the table. And I'm like, Okay, it's usual. They're at, they're at it tonight, but you know, they like to let themselves be known. Now you 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 know it's obvious that uh, from what I've read and the research I've done on the house that it is on Native American land as well. So how? Uh, okay, all right. Okay, hundred and ten percent crap. Okay, <laughs> you heard that from Zach Baggins, who has no education beyond high school. The man doesn't have an education or degree in in archaeology, paleontology, or any of the earth sciences. He doesn't know what the He's talking about. He's a donkey ass okay. moron. I'll be blunt. The guy's a fraud. He's worse poser than the Warrens because the Warrens didn't have television shows based upon their bullshit. But no, he came here 10 years ago. This, this It was 10 years ago, September of 2013 to, to shoot the episode of season nine, season 11, episode one, uh, Ghost Adventures here. And um, when I took him to the house and told him, in the earthen wall room, which is basically just the underside of the house that still has mm -hmm. earth there, that Lisa Williams, who was here about seven years earlier in 2006, had remarked to me that psychically she felt the presence of a Native American on horseback who was riding across the driveway, which is now the, um, what is this, which was then a horse path. He said, she said her, his horse reared up and lost its footing for some reason. And the horse and rider tumbled down the hillside and fell. And both the horse and rider broke their necks and they were stopped by a large tree that was there. Mm -hmm. Now, in the wall room, there's about an 18 inch stump, 18 inch across tree stump that we had to cut down to build the house. And it's mm -hmm. still there. And she said that his remains were left on the side of the earth. And through the years, they decomposed, the skin all rotted away, the flesh rotted away. And the earth 
through mudslides had covered his and the horse's remains and interred them into the earth. That's the whole story. Mm -hmm. Remember that. Okay. I tell this to Zach, he goes off on a freaking tirade and a tangent and turns my house into David's house is built on native ceremonial burial grounds. That's a no. -no. Wow. And it's like, hey, asshole, who told you that? Because I sure the hell didn't. And since I'm the only owner of this home and have been since the day it was built, where did you come up with that crock of crap story? Oh. And that, and then unfortunately, as the old saying goes, the truth takes a hundred years to travel around the globe. Right. Is instantaneous. And that right. and people like Scott Michaels, a dear friend of mine from Dearly Departed Tours, who said that to me on a on a podcast with Bridget Marquardt here. And after we when we went to break, I said, Where did you hear that crock of shit? And he said that he was just back. I said, Do you always listen to people that have no educational level whatsoever? Because the guy didn't go to college and he certainly doesn't know what he's talking about. I said, I told him, I said, you got to stop spreading that bullshit. That's manure. It's not real. It's not true. It's not authentic. I said, the only time that I is, and I had done research for my own book about the stories because Baggins BS had to be put to rest. Sure. I wrote a book about it called Ghosts of Cielo Drive. There you go, kids. And I did research and I did a lot of extensive research on the Native American situation in this area being Benedict Canyon. This, the sole and one and only instance that I could find historically. And remember, in 1977, I think it was, Congress passed the Native American Repatriation Act, which said, if on your property, the remains of a Native American or Native American burial site is found on your property, those bones have to be removed archaeologically with the help of that tribes, elders, to come in and remove these those bones and rebury them with honors in their ceremonial territory. You're not paying for it, but they have to have them excavated and removed and exhumed in that manner. Uh -huh. The only time I was able to find out historically, and remember, prior to that, it would have been a newsworthy story to have it printed sure. up about. So what I was able to find in this area, just in Benedict Canyon, my area, in 1925, I think it was 25, when ground was first broken for the Beverly Hills First Woman's Club, which is a mile away from me, down on Benedict Canyon and Chevy Chase Drive, there's a boulder that sits there. And there's a placard in, in bronze, and it says, in 1925, when ground was first broken for the First Beverly Hills Woman's Club, the remains of three Native Americans were uncovered on this very spot. Turns out in 1842, when the woman who was the um, widow of the Mexican general who or colonel who, who died, his, his widow was given a 4,500-acre tract of land to develop and work and to, you know, basically grow crops on. Right. And in, in that sometime, in, I forgot the, the date in 1842, the Native Americans that were here in this area were driven up into the mountains, into the hills and canyons. They used to have raiding parties going down onto her Pueblo and basically the ranch and would steal what they could. Well, on one this one occasion in 1842, 
the ranch hands got tired of it and basically led an insurgents against them. So when they came, to, when the Indians came, the Native Americans came down and made this raid this time, the ranch hands basically started a running battle with them so that a mile away, because her house was located at Alpine Drive and Sunset Boulevard, literally a mile from there, this battle ended where three Native Americans of, that, of the raiding party were killed on the spot at what is now Chevy Chase and Benedict Canyon and were buried there in what was then the Walnut Grove. That was in the newspaper then in 1925. Nothing else at all for this area. So, but in, but a few years ago, they did. There was a story about finding the same tribe that was up here, about a couple miles away, down at Sepulveda near Sepulveda Boulevard and Olympic Boulevard, alongside the freeway. When they were doing the freeway expansion, they remarked they said we found the ceremonial burial site of the Tongva tribe here, and it was in flat land, not stuck up in the mountains, you know. <clears throat> up and away from it all, or let alone on a 45 degree slope of a hill, some 50 feet down from the horse path. Very interesting. You know, and, and going along that line with the sensationalism, okay, of, of, of what's going on in your place, can you set the record straight tonight? I mean, uh, compared to what's been televised, you know, about your place, what's your comparison to that as far as the activity? Well, and one of the shows, I think, was um, uh, My Ghost Story. Mm -hmm. Everything, you got to remember, television is there not to be spreading facts, because that's what the documentaries are for. Right. But to basically entertain the audience. Mm -hmm. So when I told them the story, they basically, in, in so many words, they compress time. So mm -hmm. that what you see occurring in that show, <laughs> I'd have to say, I watched, I said, well, that's funny because that didn't take place till 2005. And I just, I'd moved in in 2002. So that's three years after the fact. And what it looked like was when you watch the episode, it's like everything happened over the first two weeks that I moved in. And I'm like, God, some of those things took place seven years after I moved in here. That doesn't exactly fit in and correlate to what the story really feels like. Because if you said tagline 2002, you know, July 21st, 2002. You know, or then you said July, you know, June 20, you know, 2004. At least there's that space of time that makes you understand that this didn't all just take place like the Amnesty War. We moved in on day one and on day 28, we ran the hell out of the house. That's, that's unfortunately the problem with what Amityville Horror did to set up all of these ghost stories that I have a feeling, not only mine, but a lot of them, they took the incidents and to make the, the tension greater, they compressed these incidents into one span of time that's not only unrealistic, but it's not authentic. So uh -huh. that it's like, well, sh I, I said, crap, if that'll happen in, that, in two weeks, the first two weeks I moved in, I might have that second thoughts about staying here. <laughs> you know, because it's gradual. It's like, if it happens, all right, then it doesn't happen. There's a law. And then it happens. And then it goes back and then it happens and then it goes back. It's not as threatening. It's not mm -hmm. as, as, as I don't want to say the word that I'm about to use, but as, as, as scary. Mm -hmm. It's not, because it's not, you know, because life is unlike feature films. And when you watch something like the shining, mm -hmm. 
this all happened in one fight that happened in one. It's like, yeah, it happened over a couple of nights. It's like, then, you know, you go, oh my God, that would, that would mess with your head. Mm-hmm. But when it happens over a longer period of time, you have time to deal with it. You have other problems that come into your life that are real. Sure. Not that the spirits, you guys, aren't real. You're quite real. But I mean, is that take precedent and take priority over this, you know, the woo stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of that, you have to still live. And again, I, I, I'm not one of those people that's trying to go, I'm out here, I'm scared to death, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Right. I'm gonna, my point is, where the hell are you going to go? Ghosts right. don't just have an anchor to their butt saying, I can't go beyond this property line. If ghosts are real and you're running, <laughs> good luck in running, because the last I checked, they can go anywhere. And there is no such thing as kryptonite, no matter what your myth-making BS head says, that you can put a thing of rock salt around you and it's a perimeter and the ghost can't touch it. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, right. What if the sodium, what if it's a sodium head ghost that loves salt? Then you're gonna do what about it? My point is they do what they want, go where they want. You can bark, snicker, belligerent, blat, belligerent, I mean berate, be belligerent towards them. They don't care. They don't care. That's what people seem to think. I'm gonna say a prayer in Latin and I'm gonna get them to be exercised. It's like you have a better chance of getting that ghost on a gosh darn treadmill than you do to see him leave your house because of something you thought you could affect in a uh-huh, spirit. Uh-huh. If that's your ego speaking human ass, talking nonsense, and no one, no one, no one wants to admit it. And it's like, yeah, I've tried to talk to ghosts and tell them to get lost. They tell me to go fuck myself, and then what? You know, and I mean, they've said that. I've heard them say fuck you to people, and I'm going, ooh, you don't like them, do you? <laughs> you know. And I'm not talking through a spirit box. I'm talking about on the actual recording of this post-circuit television cameras. Uh-huh. We've recorded that. And not during investigations. When I was doing some reviewing some karaoke video, I was doing some singing to loosen myself up and relax for an investigation that night. The spirit chimed in over my left shoulder and said, fucking pricks. Uh-huh. And I, I reviewed it. I said, I said, okay, I heard what you said. It was clear as a bell, but you said effing pricks. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what I know, that S means plural. And I know mm-hmm. you went out of the way to say pricks. Mm-hmm. Did you go say fucking prick? No, I would have had no testing. All right, that must mean me. But when you made it plural, I said, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And people go, wasn't that frightful to you? It's like, I know one thing, he wasn't referring to me, so he wasn't <laughs> pissed off at me he's pissed off at somebody and i want to know whom are you referring to uh-huh. Never got an answer but that's the way it is thanks andy uh, my so, question well, my next question for you is i mean a lot of these paranormal groups are coming in there you know these tv guys and what are coming in there because of the house's pro- you know the proximity to that property you know where, where those murders took place as far as the ghostly activity goes you know, in the house. Is, is that why they're coming up with these names of Sharon Tate and all these people in the house because of the proximity just, just to be able to film? Because what, right. who or what do you think is in your house? All right. First of all, had that murder, had those murders not taken place down the street, right. this house would still be crazy haunted. Okay. That's the thing is, is that, that, that the proximity to that place has been 
made into a whole big to do. And of course, it's sensationalistic. But let's be honest, mm-hmm. I myself, the only apparition I've seen in my entire life, the one time, and mm-hmm. it was a full body apparition. And it turns out it was a Jay Sebring. Okay. Now, I didn't recognize Jay as Jay at the time because mm-hmm. the guy had kinked hair. It wasn't straight like mine. He wasn't also, how should he wasn't in the clothing he was dressed in when he was killed. And we all have seen the pictures. Well, not everyone, but a lot of us have seen the pictures of the murders. And Jay's in these god-awful, sorry, Jay, I don't like those goddamn striped pants. I'm sorry. Those god-awful striped jeans, which I had a pair of when I was a kid, too. Mm-hmm. But And he wasn't wearing that, that shirt, the button shirt, either. He was wearing a full suit. So, again, and he didn't look butchered up. He didn't look have any gunshot wounds like you've been led to believe they're going to come back the way they died. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was in spectacular shape, imagery. And I say imagery because he wasn't physically there. He was there. It, and the best way to describe it is like a hologram. Except the hologram, you see things are moving, you're like shape, you can't get the pic. He was crystal clear, full body there. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, he had his left arm extended, his index finger pointed, and he was pointing it, making a quarter turn towards, and I thought then, the driveway going down the street. Mm-hmm. And I said that till about eight years later when the property next door to me, which was a vacant piece of land like mine, was literally literally eviscerated. They mm-hmm. removed the entire wedge of the mountain going down 60 feet straight down and cut out this big chunk of mountain and started building. Mm-hmm. That's what Jay Sebring was pointing to eight years before the property was sold and before somebody started to tear the mountain out of it. That's something that's also peculiar because I was pointing towards the driveway. He was forewarning me about the construction of the house next door. Don't ask me why and don't ask me how he knew, but he knew the events of the future going to be. And so, yeah, sorry. So, no, go ahead. Secondly, a friend of mine, Al McCary, who passed away a year ago from breast cancer, um, when she came here in 2004 for the very, very, very first paranormal investigation ever here at the house on the 35th anniversary of the murders. We, myself, Rob Rob Wardowski, his wife, Anne, and I were outside the house doing a scouting before everybody else got here. So it's about 5.30 in August, the 9th of August, in the afternoon. Alma's sitting at the dining room table and just sitting at the chair. First time here, I've never met this woman. She doesn't know anything about the house we told her nothing because I said to Rob, I said, keep her in the dark. Don't tell her a word. One about Sharon Tate. Don't mention it. Now, remember, 19 years ago, Sharon Tate wasn't the big talk of the town that she has become most recently mm-hmm. because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera. So we come back in the house and Alma says, oh, I just saw your girlfriend. And I was like, huh? And she goes, oh, yeah, I saw her walk from where we are, where I am now around outside through the doorway around the bar turned stopped looked at alma they made eye camp contact she smiled politely at alma and then turned back and walked towards the staircase and went down the stairs flesh wow. and blood is what she said she saw in full color just like as she said just like your girlfriend and this is a psychic mind you right right that's 
time, Alma must have been 62 years old. So Alma was 80 when she died last year. So I said, uh, my girlfriend is, I said, describe her. I said, describe her. She goes, oh, she's about five foot six, five, five, blondish, really blondish brown hair, straight, going down to the back and like gathered behind, you know, in, in the back and down. She said she was wearing a white type of a, of a, of a, a, um, a white puffy type of a blouse, which was faint, big, big thin those in the 60s. And then a, some white shorts, some white, uh, a white skirt. And she goes, she had very shapely legs. They were tanned. And she was, she acted like she, so remember this, she said, she goes, she acted like she owned the place. Like she was just, she was just here. Just, oh, well, nice to see you, whatever. I'm going to do my thing. You know, you do your, and I said, are you kidding? So my girlfriend is five foot 11, has long chestnut brown hair. She mm -hmm. does not have any interest in being here tonight for this investigation. She doesn't believe in ghosts. Rob and I went through the entire house from top to bottom, looked at all the side doors, which is only two side doors. On the, on, the second, on the second one and the third, and no one here. Showed her yeah. Alma a picture of the girl, of Sharon Tate. She goes, oh, that's her. I said, that's not possible. And then we had to tell her where the hell she was because the cat was out of the bag, who she right. saw, in fact, a freaking ghost. Other people have seen Abigail Folger's apparition here, mm -hmm. um, but we've had countless, <laughs> countless incidents that have absolutely, positively nothing to do with the Sharon Tate murder victims whatsoever. Do you think there might be some kind of portal in the house somewhere? Because, I mean, obviously you're either, either building on the property, stirred things up, or they're attracted to you for some reason. Well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, I don't think there's one spot. I think the whole freaking house is a portal. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is that the I've – I've spoken to Marianne Winkowski. You guys have, might have heard of her, the real-life ghost whisperer. And Marianne has said to me, she goes, I can't do anything with your house. Are you kidding? She goes, your house has got a revolving door at the front. And she goes, I could, I could clear everybody out in two seconds. She goes, and you know what happens? Ten seconds later, there's a whole group of spirits in there, and that's going to be back to square one. I said, what did she goes? She goes, do you have problems with it? And I said, no, I find it amusing. I don't find I find mm -hmm. it harmless. I said I've had a chair go from from the living from the dining room. I mean, from the living room across into the dining room, into the uh, no, from the den into the living room, walking mm -hmm. what spot right in the path from the stairs to the kitchen. I said I've had that happen. I said it doesn't. I said I find it amusing. I said I don't find it threatening. I said mm -hmm. I don't. What, what am I going to do? I said what? I said first of all. What am I going to do? I'm going to sit there and say, spirits, get the fuck out. And I said, and then what good does that do? So when I die and I go to the other side and spend eternity there, I'm going to get, get my ass kicked around the eternal life. Forget right. it. Right. You know, to me, it's like, no skin off of my nose to let them hang here. It doesn't bother me. And those uh -huh. are, why don't you send them into the light? And it's like, let me ask you something. Have you tried to tell somebody where to go where you've never been before? Okay. I rest my case. And that's what I say. That's my belief. It's like, look, I have no idea where I'd be sending them to. And I wouldn't want to try to put them in the wrong place and at my discretion. Not that I could. Not that I think that anyone can. I think that spirits, unfortunately, are not stuck. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the half, that 99.9% .9 of the myths that we have learned and been told about the paranormal is absolutely bunk nonsense ego talk. 
Mm-hmm. What I mean is humans have to rationalize shit out so they can deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. What better way than to make a spirit into a human and have them have the same foibles as a human so they have to lie, they can do this. And, so, and I said, give me a reason why the, you know, F, a ghost who has no skin in the game literally is going to lie. That's mm-hmm. it. Break it down. Lying is ego speak. And people, what's ego speak? Human talk. Do animals lie? No. Animals don't lie. You don't have to sit there and say, well, this you're projecting an emotion onto an animal because that's how you feel the animal's behaving. And in actuality, it's doing what it's doing because it's instincts. It's not doing it out of revenge. It's not doing it out of spite. It's not doing it out of anything more than a survival instinct. A ghost is, is, is similar to that, except they don't need to survive. They are surviving fine. So therefore, if you have no reason to lie and you've taken that out of the equation, why is a ghost going to lie? Mm-hmm. Why is a ghost going to be interested in having you say, I want you to join the dead crew. Come on with me. No, no, no. It's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Ghosts aren't going to you know, hurt you. And the people that say, ghosts, you're hurting me. Yeah, you know what I say? Nine, 99% of those people are the people that are asking for the ghost to hurt them. They're wanting that. They want the attention. They want to have an excuse. They want to become a victim of some sorts. Because let me put it to you bluntly. Sharon Tate, Abigail Folger, Stephen Parent, Wojtek Vykowski, and Jay Sebring. Five people brutally just butchered down at the oh. end of the trip. Let me ask you. You think those people's spirits are happy about the fact that their untimely demise were brought about by these people? That are still that were sitting and still sitting in jail. Mm-hmm. Then let me ask this: Do you think that those people who are basically like fish in a barrel, easy to pop off if you had a gun, so to speak, is the old saying shooting fish in a barrel is a common old saying of what right. you could get away with because it's so easy to do, it's ridiculous. Why wouldn't the spirits have an interest? And don't you think they have an axe to grind with those people that put them in the grave? Mm-hmm. That they're sitting there in their jail cell 23 hours a day. The spirits are easy. Tar- those people are easy marks and targets for these spirits to take their wrath out on them. And that while they're sitting there, they can be tormenting them morning, noon, and night for the entirety of their, of their incarceration. But, but you never heard Susan Atkins complain that Sharon Tate or Abigail was beating them up in the middle of the night and harassing them. And she was complaining mm-hmm. of terrible nightmares. You know, so 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 tell me what makes you so special that you guys should feel that you are that you're being tormented by a spirit when these people really have an axe to grind with those people who are in jail, wadding mm-hmm. there. And really, you know, you don't think they'd have a reason. I mean, I'm just I hate to play the day the devil's advocate game, but somehow we've lost our rational ability to come to grips with applying that rational form and right. across the board. And I do it and I say, so the goddamn ghost knocked on the door on the wall when I was walking down the hall and I threw my hand up. And I'm thinking, spirits, I've got you covered. And I hear knock, knock. And I'm like, going, oh, and I'm thinking a burglar wouldn't knock because what stupid burglar wants to say, hi, I'm here. I'm burglarizing your house. <laughs> and then I said, oh, crap. I said, it's got to be a ghost. Then I said, the worst part came to my mind saying, forget the shit if it's a ghost. I didn't say anything. It's on the video. You watch the video. It's 145. I think it's from two years ago, 2021. In the morning, I'm walking down the hallway and I'm thinking to myself, I got the So I do this. 
I threw my left hand up. I was like, yeah, I got you covered. You're good. And then this knock, knock. So I said, oh, my God. I said, they can read my mind. Mm-hmm. Then I said, that's it. And I said out loud, I said, that's it. All bets are, lo- bets are off. I said, if you assholes can read my mind, there's no safe harbor for me. Meaning mm-hmm. I can't bullshit a ghost and say, I'm going to call the world's greatest psychics. When in fact, I don't believe that's going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm saying that to the spirits and the spirits in the background going, <laughs> you're going to do what? <laughs> nice bluff job, Mr. Oman. Nice bluff job. I mean, that's the scariest part about it is when you realize they can read your thoughts. Yeah. So you're done. So that's why when people come in the house, the spirits, you know, size people up very quickly. And Zach mm-hmm. managed to last three hours, <laughs> six hour lockdown here. And Busted out in the next three days, they were sick in bed, bedridden after they visited here because they had so much accumulated karmic baggage for all the shows and all the things and all the stupid stunts they had put together. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they were taken to the woodshed and spanked something fierce by the spirits here. <laughs> I'll keep my and, own thoughts to myself about certain shows, but yeah, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. By the way, Sandy Sandy said, Sandy Smith said, Leslie Van Houten, and I think that is, her, she is, yes, Leslie Van Houten has been paroled, yes. Yes, yeah. Kind She's of, in his, own, in some way, I'm sorry, you were put to, you were put on death row. I'm sorry, the idea that just because they rescinded the death penalty does not mean you're ever going to see the light of day of freedom. And considering their personal hands-on involvement with the oh, murder yeah. of Wow. Bianca, I'm sorry. You don't. You don't deserve to be out. You deserve to be set. You know, sitting in jail to the day you die. And I'm sorry. I'm just, just stabbing Rosemary LaBianca with a fork. Whether or not she was alive or dead, secondary in her mind, she was alive. Yeah. And then eating afterwards. Yeah, going into in the their kitchen. kitchen. In their kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talked about you talked about you know knock hearing knockings and stuff. What do you think is the most common occurrence in the house? No, I'll show you right now. Okay, let me do that. See there, that's the most common occurrence in the house. Are those figurines getting knocked over? Okay. These little badasses. I mean, these guys here get knocked over routinely. This one, the smoking man, as you know, that might see that pushing mm-hmm. forward. Is is got a railroad tie, I mean railroad spike under his feet to keep him from, from tumbling forward or backward. That doesn't seem to stop the spirits. They literally, he's like this, leaning backwards. I was like, so because he can't do it, I said, this is this. I said, you keep doing that, you're gonna mm-hmm. end in that shape, and the gosh darn legs are gonna be warped. And that's mm-hmm. what he does. And he's got a bow in his god in his leg, so. Excuse me. So that's probably the most that happens. And what's funny is, is people say it happens every day. It's like, no, sometimes they don't do it for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're, we're back. Let's start knocking the figurines over. And I'm like, oh, boy. boy, oh boy. Why do you think the activity at um, Emerson flows in your house? Um, good question. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I, it's um, to be honest with you, I think it has to do with the fact that it's kind of uh, natural, uh-huh. meaning that it's 
it's it's it's like the weather. It comes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's not this. It's not so much the seasonal. I mean, it's the daily weather patterns. It has its highs and its lows. I think it also has to do with who's visiting, meaning mm-hmm. the different people that visit, different company or guests that I have come to visit. Um, it's like a chemistry set I said once before. It's because mm-hmm. I've noticed that certain people are neutral. Certain mm-hmm. people have a, have a charge of a positive charge. Certain mm-hmm. people have a negative charge. Certain people have, an, a, have a very volatile charge and stuff. It's like the second they come in, it's like plop, plop, plop. Right. It just happens. Like I said, um, the fact that we haven't had many, you know, I haven't done any tours, personal, in-house, in-person tours here in three years. Uh, basically, it kind of like, I would say strangled the spirits, but it had uh-huh. a, um, a very, very diminishing effect on it, on the uh-huh. activity. But that's not to say it went flat completely. But since I wasn't actively having people brought in to look, and obviously with COVID, it mm-hmm. wasn't uh, it wasn't something I was gonna do. But the idea was that it just it was just dead, so to speak. And when more people mm-hmm. started coming back and I had friends come over to visit, then you could feel that the spirits, like I said, this past weekend was the first time we had twenty five people over, including the, the crew, their ten person crew, and. I was like, wow. And people were saying, oh God, there was there was this happening. It was that happening going, oh, Jesus Christ, it's amazing. Here's an example. In the laundry room, they were they were split up into three groups of uh, three groups. So each group uh, at the hour mark would, would rotate and go into the other group's rooms and in the areas and would switch around. The first group that went into the laundry room registered the temperature at about 80 degrees uh-huh. and kept complaining, it's so hot, it's so hot in this room. And I said to them, there's only one problem. The hallway thermostat register says 73 degrees. When the second group went in there, I made a point of saying, well, do me a favor, guys, can you give me a temperature baseline? 74 degrees. Third group goes in there an hour later. What's it? 74 degrees temperature. There was no way we could figure out how it went seven degrees above the, the, the standing temperature in the hallway, literally eight feet away. And yet the groups that went in there subsequent to them, the temperature was fine. And they were also feeling equilibrium issues where they felt like they were rocking back and forth in a boat. Mm-hmm. The, uh, one of the cat toys that lights up which was right near the thermostat, I mean, was about four feet below the thermostat, was lighting up on its own, which was eight feet away from where we were standing, and nobody was moving around. I kept looking and said, guys, guys, the, 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 yeah, yeah, the cat ball's going off again for some reason, and no one was near it and touching it or anything, and it oh. was doing itself. So we had lots of stuff this past weekend, so I was like, good. I'm glad everybody had, you know, had a great time, plus the, the can of Dr. Pepper's across the table was pretty much, you know, one of those all-time highs saying, that's a doozy. That's right up there with some of the best stuff you've ever had happen here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So after these people come in, I mean, do you, uh, is there more activity for you after they leave or does it settle down right away? Again, it's almost like it's directed towards them. Okay. And, And it's like, 
how should I say, because I'm the constant in mm-hmm. the environment, mm-hmm. the spirits don't care. And to them, it's like, the, what are you going to bother with him for? My God, he knows us. He, like, what, they know that it's not going to impress me and it's not for my benefit that they're doing right. some interaction. So I'm always like, I applaud them. They do something. They turn on the faucet in front of me. I go, that's really cool. I, 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 give, them pro- I give them props for doing it. Mm-hmm. I let them know I appreciate it. And in, in the case for the water, I said, you guys, we're still going through a drought here. We really can't afford that. So lay off the water gags, okay? I mean, and that's, you know, I, I kind of like want them to feel that their um, presence is of no bother to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be an encumbrance to them because I mm-hmm. certainly do not find them to be any encumbrance or any issue to me or threat or um, bother. Mm-hmm. A lot of people live with ghosts. They see ghosts and say, <laughs> "If you wanted a guy to try not see ghosts, tell them to bug off. They're very, very amenable to listening to you and to, uh-huh. to taking their space back." So that's why I can't understand people. It's like I see ghosts all the time. It's like, you know, if you just try to sit down and tamper down and say, "Spirits, I'll give you some time, but this isn't it. This is me time. You'll have your time when I say so. But right now, it's my time." And that's how, again, how I deal with it. I establish a boundary. I just have mutual respect. I don't act in an, impin- an impugned way about them or in any type of threatened manner. I don't, and I don't threaten them. I t- try to deal with them in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. You know, I treat them like people, like like unseen house guests. You know, as a matter of fact, what was funny was, uh, yeah, it was Saturday. Crap. It was Saturday afternoon. And this is a good one. I'm up here in the, kit, in the top floor, and all of a sudden, the smoke alarm starts going off. I'm thinking, oh, shh, what the fuck? What, what's, what's smolding? What, what, where? No. So I start to walk around and start going down the, downstairs to the bottom to look around for the, the source of what's causing the smoke alarms to activate. Ten seconds. Cuts off. And I said, I said to this person, I said, is this your way of communicating me today? Is there something I'm missing? Please tell me. And then the alarm went off. Beep, beep, beep. Stopped. Then it went beep, 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 beep. Then it stopped. And I said, okay, I'll pay attention. I'll be aware. I'll be on my best, on my lookout for anything that's unusual or strange. Thank you. But again, what was the reason why the smoke alarm started going off? Mm-hmm. It wasn't one. Interesting. Very interesting. My God, this hour blew by. Thank you so much. Oh, my thank pleasure. You, thank you so much for coming on. I was so fascinated by it. Well, I mean, everybody's fascinated with the house, obviously. But, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I've watched you on TV. I, you know, I've, I've watched your YouTube site. And it's just, it, 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 it's incredible to me that, that you've lived there all these years and you've got like an open house. And, you know, I can honestly tell you, I've done investigations. Because when you talk about your house being like a freeway for ghosts, I've done investigations here in Sacramento where there's a freeway, literally, of ghosts outside someone's backyard. And the house is constant. And you, you're right. You cannot do anything to seal it. Because the minute you get rid of the ones that are there, boom, the other ones come off the freeway. You and the other thing... Visitors, that's all you've done. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking when you talk about how the activity amps up when you get these other teams in and stuff, and it's because everybody has ghosts around them. And so when they walk in with, with their ghosts, 
your bows take notice, you know, or, or the other ones that are there take notice, and they're coming out to meet the other ghosts. And the new ghosts hit the environment, which they're not accustomed to. Right. They derive their energies off the, the ambient energy in the house. So it's like people go, how does that happen? Is it because the fact of the matter is the house is supercharged with 5,000 5, milligauss positive DCEMF levels to 5,000 milligauss negative DCEMF levels. So as Barry Taft said, he goes, it's the perfect environment for, for spirits uh -huh. to manifest in. Uh -huh. I'm like, <laughs> I made myself a real life ghost hotel. No, I just I love it. I don't think we're all gonna die at some point. Right. So I have this irrational fear of those who have died before us that are coming to visit us. Why? I don't see that as a as, as a problem, you know. And it's it's been all harmonious here so far, except for suit for two times, and one of them being when Zach was here and he got hit over the head, so to speak, because they didn't like him and they didn't wouldn't stand for his bullshit. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I just when when I think about that show. I laugh. Um, LA obviously hit me up and say, want to come down? I said, no, no, you're coming down. You're going to do a goddamn live show from here so you can share it with your audience because that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I agree with you. I mean, if there's nothing negative happening in the house, I mean, and you can live at peace with them. Why not? That's what I do here too. I, you know, so, uh, Okay, well, I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it again, and it was huge of you to do that, and I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, and, brother. Uh, I would love to take a look yes. at the YouTube, my YouTube channel and subscribe, okay. youtube.com forward slash David Omen. And, of course, uh -huh. tell me all about the book. And like I said, yes. when you get down here, I'll give you a copy of this. I'll sign, give you a signed copy, and you'll be able to see the house in person. Go, okay, I just got tapped on the shoulder. There was, there was no one there's like, yeah, that's them. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to have you on again on a later date to talk to you more about this. I'm so fascinated by this. Let me know. Like I said, I'll be happy to come back on anytime. Sounds great. David, thank you once again. Uh, what, what are your websites real quick? Uh, YouTube.com forward slash David Oman, O-M-A-N is the spelling. Mm -hmm. um, Ghostsofclodrive.com for the book. Um, House at the End of the Drive is my feature film, which I'm trying to get onto television, and that's pretty much about everything. Fantastic. Is there an email or anything they can find you at? Well, uh, Ghost to Cielo Drive has an okay. email address for that, okay. so they can get touch me that way. Oh, okay. hi, Marissa. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, me. Hi, Karen. <laughs> so, so, again, thank you so much, and uh, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you, ghosties, for the stories. Thank Thanks, guys. All. <laughs> all right, sir. Have a great one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. I've been wanting to interview him forever about that house. And, uh, oh, my internet. Okay, yeah, I just found it. the internet got jerky. Whoa. Okay, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to interview him for a long time about that house because it's it's a fascination for me, you know. And like like he says, if, 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 he, if he's living peacefully with them, there's the, he doesn't feel the need to have it removed or whatever. Hey, that, that that's his gig. I mean, that's like my gig here, right? But anyway, I want to thank everybody that came tonight. I really appreciate it. And again, if you like what you heard and saw, please show me some love. Give me some thumbs up. Give me a heart. Uh, thank you, Sandy, for the heart. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, and all the chat in the chat room because that's going to put me way up uh, in the FYP as well.
And if you haven't done so already and you're watching from YouTube, please please feel free to subscribe because I am doing guests Sunday through Friday every week. So we are six days six days on the air, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, except for tomorrow. David Domini is going to be with us tomorrow, and uh, he's been on the show before. It's going to be a 5 p.m. Pacific show, and he's going to be talking about a really cool murder mystery. Well, not cool because people got killed, obviously, but a murder mystery. So he'll be with us tomorrow at 6... I'm sorry, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay. It's one of those days. Anyway, thank you, everybody. And, uh, again, if you haven't tried, taken a look at our Patreon, please do. And, like I said, everybody that joins the Patreon at whatever level you go, if you're at the $5 level, you get a 5-minute psychic reading. Uh, $10 level, you get a 10-minute psychic reading. And it's a $15 level, you get a 15-minute reading. And if you continue to be a Patreon, every month you that reading is included with your membership. So that's one of the cool things. And I'm setting up a way for you to make appointments, or we're going to do it in a, in, a, in a small group kind of atmosphere to do it. But we are going to uh, do it that way. Okay? All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Like I said, we're equal opportunity here. We just want to get the word out about our, our, our little show. And uh, it's great. Great audience. Great comments. And I will see you guys tomorrow, 5 p.m. Pacific. Have a great one. Well, wrong button. Look, I got ahead of myself. I almost went out without the without the end of the show. Look at that. Let me get this going here. Hang on. I did that last night. Before I realized I had done it, I just totally ended the show weird. All right, here we go.